What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 133 of the Adult Education Podcast. This week, I'm speaking with director and producer Monica Medellin. Thanks so much for checking out my show. If this is your first time joining the Adult Education Podcast, I sincerely want to thank you for that. I also hope that you like what you hear and that you stick with me. I would really appreciate it if you would take a second to uh, maybe drop us a follow or leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're using. And feel free to share this show with your friends. Word of mouth, I find, is the best way to inspire new people to check it out. Uh, this episode feels special in a way. A few weeks back, I started to see ads pop up on my TV for a new Amazon Prime video series called Surf Girls Hawaii. Maybe you've seen these ads yourself. I've always just had this fascination with surfing. It's something that I've never done, something that I believe I probably can do, and maybe that's why I find it so fascinating. But I've watched every episode of HBO's new series, 100 Foot Wave. I'm obsessed with Apple TV's make or break, so I had to check out Surf Girls Hawaii, and I'm so glad that I did. The show follows the lives of a group of of young women born and raised on Hawaii who are incredibly talented on the waves. These are all women who grew up around water and surfing is in their DNA. I was glued to this show. I watched every episode so quickly that I had to go back to watch it again and really soak it in. The surfing is incredible, but I found the humanity of the show is what really drew me in here. It brings the audience into the lives of these young women through their hardships and successes, and you watch them grow. I find myself rooting for them so hard and just wanting them to win. Anyway, fast forward, and I get an email from a PR team offering me an opportunity to speak with the show's creator, Monica Medellin, and I was like, do they know how much I've watched this? show? Are they tracking my cookies on the web? Because they would know that I've searched for it. I jumped at this chance and I'm so glad that I did. Monica is just a fascinating individual. She's done so much with her life and I feel like we only barely scratched the surface during our conversation. I'm hoping that I can connect with her again in the future because I just think there's so much we didn't cover that we're going to have to talk about. Monica and I discuss a bit of her history and how much surfing has impacted her life, how she came to be in Hawaii to create Surf Girls Hawaii in the first place, and what the show really means to her. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Monica Medellin. Monica, it is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, I am such a fan of this show, Surf Girls Hawaii. I like. I just happened to see it. I turned on my Fire TV or whatever, and it was like the first ad that popped up when the TV came on, and I was like, yes, give me surfing, give me like Hawaii, give me all of it. Yeah, I am so excited to see Surf Girls Hawaii defying expectations and running its course through, you know, through the zeitgeist. It's really exciting to hear that people from all backgrounds are loving it. I mean, young women, young girls, older women, those women's husbands, young men, older men. It just feels like everybody has been loving Surf Girls Hawaii and it feels really good to, you know, have this recognition for for these women. It's interesting that you say everybody likes it because I have a two and a half year old daughter and her primary thing that she enjoys watching tends to be anything bright, colorful and with music. But I was watching Surf Girls Hawaii and she sat there riveted to the screen. I've never seen her watch like a live action, real human being thing and be taken by it. I was like, what? I don't know what's going on, but maybe I got a surfer in my household. See, yeah, I think it's really interesting that Originally, you know, my target audience were girls like your daughter, right? Okay. I want young girls to grow up 
seeing women and women of color represented in a positive light and to see sisterhood and support and know that just because it's a show that centers women doesn't mean that it needs to have cattiness or drama. Right. And I think that's exactly the essence of Surf Girls Hawaii. And, you know, I think in my style of documentary filmmaking, um, I want it to feel like a movie. I want it to feel like it's a scripted film, yet it's actually rooted in reality and, you know, stays true to, you know, my journalistic and documentary roots at the same time. So I'm so glad that it caught her attention and captivated her. Yeah, me too. It was really interesting to watch. And you mentioned the word expectations just a a second ago here. And I'm curious, uh, just I'm sort of interested in general with the streaming service world. When you put something out there, how do you gauge expectations? Like you don't, you don't necessarily know who's going to be watching and how many people are going to click on something. So when you were coming into this, how did you gauge your own expectations for it? When I first started circulating this project, Surf Girls Hawaii, I felt like some of the reactions were, well, nobody's really buying surfing. Well, surfing's been done before. What's different about this? we're not sure how far this could go, how wide this could reach. Like, what's the scope? Because I think, you know, historically, surf films haven't centered indigenous women voices. So that's what was different about this pitch. It's not a show that's just about surfing. This is a show that's about young women coming of age, and they're at a crossroads of deciding to have a professional surfing career or not wanting to miss out on all that life has to offer. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to this decision-making process of what do I want to do with my life? What are my passions? What do I love? And we were able to spend a season with these women as they were making these decisions behind the scenes. And I think that's really what people related to in the show. Of course, the surfing and Hawaiian backdrop and cultural aspects really give this that raw beauty and just awe about the series. Mm. But this is really a series about a group of young women who are supporting each other in sisterhood and sports. And the fact that somebody told you nobody's buying surfing, I mean, of like the five or six major streaming platforms, I can think right now of four of them that have serious surf programs. You've got yours on Prime Video. You've got 100 Foot Wave on HBO Max or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, You've got Make a Break on Apple TV Plus. Even Disney Plus has that Doogie Kame Aloha, I think I'm saying that right, um, show, which isn't based around surfing, but it's Hawaiian. It's got a similar vibe to it. So you can't tell me no one's buying surfing. It seems like it's kind of a hot thing right now. You know, maybe because surf films have looked a certain way or been told in a certain way for a long time, you know, I think maybe they weren't expecting, you know, it to be what Surf Girls Hawaii is. And I think, you know, the the fact that Surf Girls Hawaii is standing next to, you know, a hundred foot wave is really interesting because I do think that this is a piece of surf documentation and history. And now we have women who are represented in that. And we have indigenous native Hawaiian women who are standing next to, you know, this other programming and performing and doing well. And I think that 
this can inspire more stories like this because, um, you know, it's, it was very needed and people were hungry for it. And you can see that through the responses to the show. Uh, before we dive into a little bit more about the show, I would love to learn a little more about you, Monica, if you wouldn't mind. I'd love to kind of find out how you came to surfing in general. I guess in retrospect, I, I realized Surf Girls Hawaii is what I dreamt of watching ever since I was a little girl. I learned how to surf when I was 11 or 12 years old. Uh, I was born and raised on the border of Venice, Santa Monica, two beach towns in Los Angeles, to a immigrant mother from Mexico who worked very hard to make ends meet every single month. My mother was actually a dancer. She wanted to become a professional dancer, but didn't have the opportunity to pursue that because she needed to provide for her family. So growing up, I always felt like she really invested in my passions and what I wanted to do and pursue because she didn't have that opportunity. So through our really close relationship, she and I, you know, really had a love for sports and she put me into different sports camps and teams. So it started with more traditional sports like volleyball, basketball, soccer. I was in sports camp every day after school. Then it turned to gymnastics. And that was really interesting because gymnastics really fueled my my skill set in surfing. Like I started surfing because we found a surf camp in the Santa Monica newspaper. She called the owner, asked him if I could go, how much it cost. And it was very difficult to hear that it was a price that she couldn't afford. Mm. So she found a way to get me a scholarship and go for free. And I think it's that hustle and grit that my mom had that really helped me foster this love of sports. So in surfing, when she finally got me into the camp, I was actually doing headstands on my surfboard by the time I was 12, I would say, because they really worked hand in hand. So I feel like, you know, growing up, surfing was always in my DNA, but I had never known the deep, deep, rich history of surfing uh, and that, you know, people who look like me started the sport and have a lot to do with the origins of this sport. So when I discovered that in college, I knew that I wanted to share this piece of history with the world in my own way. I've heard you say before, too, in a previous interview that surfing is a sport of access. And I thought it was an interesting statement because I feel like that's certainly not what the general public sees of surfing. Like when I think of all the popular images and the movies and the TV shows that focus on surfing, a lot of times it's like the grungy, you know, uh, deadbeat that wants to surf or, hey, bro, what's up? Like, so you don't really think of it as being of access. You almost think of it as like the low class thing in a lot of ways. So I thought that was an interesting interesting statement to make. I mean, obviously you're in it. I'm not in the surfing world. You see it firsthand. So it's interesting to hear from your perspective, how you experience surfing in a much different way than the way the rest of us see it in popular culture. Right. And I think, you know, there are a few main barriers to access in surfing. And I'll speak particularly to maybe my community in Los Angeles and where I grew up. So first of all, I think Most of the time, you know, a a lot of kids of color and Latinx kids don't live near the beach. How are you going to get to the beach? You know, it's 
it's a very long journey sometimes. When my mom immigrated here from Mexico, she lived in Compton assembling radio parts. How is she going to have a leisurely day at the beach, right? I was lucky enough that she moved across town to the beach and I grew up near it, but I probably would have never discovered surfing had we not been walking on the boardwalk that day. So I think the first thing is, you know, the distance. I think the second thing is exactly what you're saying, which is the fact that there's not much representation of diversity in surfing. When you think of a surf film or a surf movie, you know, maybe you think of Kelly Slater or Bethany Hamilton or these household names that have been extremely powerful and influential and important in the surfing narrative. But, you know, you think of this blonde haired, blue eyed, you know, person. And the reality of the history of surfing is, you know, it it's not that. That's a part of it now, but I think it was really important to, you know, show that in Surf Girls Hawaii. So I think the second thing that's a barrier to access is the fact that if you don't see it, you can't be it. So I think that is a very important part of my work now. Thirdly, I mean, I think it's something that can I just leave it at two? I, of course you can. This is your conversation too. I mean, you can leave it wherever you want to. You know, Surf Girls Hawaii is my first television show. Sure. I'm a first time show creator and that's really special, but all of the press and opportunities is very new to me. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes I get a little bit nervous because <laughs> it's all happening so fast, right? And I want to share my story and share my voice with the world, um, but it's nerve wracking. So I think sometimes that comes up too. I bet I actually had a feeling that might be the case for you because when I was doing some research, there weren't a lot of interviews and a lot of press things to work with to find out more about you. So I was like, you know what? It seems like she doesn't do a lot of these. This could be interesting. (laughs) I mean, I think that's why it's important that we're speaking today and that I get to share my experience because I think there are a lot of people out there that might be able to relate to me. It wasn't like I woke up one day and made this show. Yeah. You know, this was a long process and it's the spaces in between and the why behind it that I think make this show so special. And it makes it so it feels authentic and real because this wasn't fabricated. This is the real deal. It's a real story. And I think it's because of my shared experiences with the cast and these women as indigenous women surfers that really shines through and makes this story beautiful. It's what happened off camera that I think is really special that translated to when the cameras were on and the women felt comfortable sharing their story and their lives and the reality of their experiences because I was there behind the camera to validate that. So it's interesting because I feel like what you're saying right there is kind of similar to what we were just talking about, how you're a little nervous to be in this setting. You really want to share your story, but it's not something you're used to. I imagine a lot of these young women, because they range, I think it was Eve the youngest one at about 17, 18 years old, right? Yes. Eve and Pua were the youngest. I actually met them when they were 15. Wow. Okay. And they were 17 turning 18 when we were filming the show. So you've got girls from like 17, I think, to like 25, 26 years old in here. And I'm sure a lot of them don't have, you know, a lot of experience with cameras stuffed in their face, filming everything that they're doing. So I I imagine that 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 comfort level behind the scenes, that calmness behind the scenes helped open them up more for when they were on the camera. Definitely. And 
I actually have a, well, I have two funny stories about sure. this. So first of all, uh, while I was filming Surf Girls Hawaii over the past few years, I obviously developed really close relationships with each cast member. And with that came their families. I actually love the Surf Girls Hawaii moms. We have a group chat. I text them on the side. I was so excited for them to see their daughters on television and even though they were embarrassed, they had their own television debut as well in some cases. So um, it was really just this camaraderie like behind the scenes. And when I broke the news that we landed our first TV show and that they have a starring role, one of the cast members, Eve, who you mentioned, and her mother, Lucia, uh, confided in me. And they let me know that they weren't sure if they belong in a TV show because oh. they thought that they were boring. And I couldn't relate more because I too have struggled with feeling like a sense of belonging, especially when I was Eve's age, even though I feel like I've grown into myself and I'm more outspoken and confident now, I was really shy. So I saw what she didn't see in herself yet. And I knew that she had the potential to capture hearts with her story. And she became one of the most beloved cast members on the show and I just felt like putting her in the spotlight and helping her through that was just a growing experience that you can't put a price tag on, right? And I witnessed her blossom into a confident young woman. And I think that's the reason why I do the work that I do. The stories that I tell are reflective of my own experiences. And I feel like I share a special bond with most of the women I work with because I see myself in them and they see myself they sorry they see themselves in me and um it happened pretty often but i was mistaken as cast on set I, you know I, i've looked up pictures of you i i saw you on instagram so I, I can see that i mean i feel like you could fit the mold you you seem like you would be right in with all of them it's funny one time on set um someone came up to me and asked if i'm ready to get mic'd and i had to tell them <laughs> no i'm actually uh the director and ep on the show uh, and it's funny how often I'm mistaken for talent on set, even in, you know, other projects, because um, as a young woman of color athlete and surfer myself, I recognize that I might look a little different from a typical director and EP in the industry. And I actually love surprising people by defying their expectations and sharing, you know, my non-traditional journey to film and television. I think I used to maybe focus on my lack of prominence and power in the industry, but now I see it as a superpower. So I think that was a really good learning experience from Surf Girls Hawaii. Yeah. And I think the world needs people like you to share that perspective and to share that story of what you see when you're, I mean, the world has a million people like me out there, you know, running TV studios and sitting behind cameras. There aren't as many, as you mentioned, women of color in particular out there, especially in the sports world, the action sports world, taking these roles that you have and sharing the stories that you've been sharing. I mean, it's so important for us to understand the world around us by having people like you sharing that. Yeah. And that's why I really appreciate you making space for this interview. You know, I think it's important to, you know, get our stories out there from in front of the camera, you know, what you see in Surf Girls Hawaii and also behind the camera, who are the people behind the scenes making this happen? Because there were a lot of powerful women and native Hawaiian people and creatives behind the scenes on the show. And I think that's what makes it cool. 
My wife was born in Hawaii. Uh, she moved shortly after she was born. I think she was one or two when she moved back into the you know mainland of the United States. Um, but I, I've been with her for about ten years now, and we still have not been. And it's like one of my biggest regrets <laughs> with her. I'm like, oh my, this girl that I'm dating is was born in Hawaii. We're gonna go to Hawaii all the time. We still have not been, and we've been married for like three years. We've got a kid. <laughs> it's on our list, but it still has not happened yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hawaii is such a special place, mm. and I didn't get to travel until I was in my 20s. You know, we didn't, I didn't grow up in a family where we had annual family vacations or, you know, went anywhere outside of what was already in our backyard because, you know, financially it just wasn't, it wasn't possible. But as I got older and started taking surfing more seriously, I mean, I went on my first surf trip to uh, Bali, Indonesia Mm. at age 22. And from then on out, I never turned back. I probably traveled to more countries in three years than I had ever, you know, been in the 20 years of my life previous. And that's how I ended up in Hawaii and uh, connecting with these amazing women is through my own travels and passions and surf journey. And now I, you know, my goal is actually to become a better surfer myself because I, you know, started off as a longboarder and then I transitioned to shortboarding. And now I'm around all of these short border pro chicks and I need to level up. And I actually have, I've been definitely putting in my time and, you know, elevating my surf game and, you know, taking advantage of all of the amazing surf spots in California and learning from them on the side in, you know, the Mecca of surfing, which is Oahu, Hawaii. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's really amazing how this show is just more than a show to all of us. This is our life. This is our relationship. And um, I think it's, it's really, really beautiful what has happened through Surf Girls. So you mentioned you were traveling and that's kind of how you got to Hawaii and where this idea came from. But I'm kind of curious, how did this idea blossom? Like, what was the moment for you where you saw these women or you were on you were in Hawaii and you realized like, wow, someone needs to share the story of these native Hawaiian women that are trying to, you know, be at the top or break into the sport that they, you know, their families, their ancestors created. This idea came to be when I was working in the surf industry, actually. I noticed that a lot of the major mainstream platforms were covering a lot of male surfers and I could barely find any coverage of women. I only knew a few of the top women professional athletes before my time in the industry and I felt like there could be more. So I even think today, you know, in advertisements, you see, you know, a man surfing on a wave and then you see a woman in the same billboard sitting on the beach watching him. Yeah. And um, that's exactly what I wanted to change at the start. So when I was working in the surf industry, I started a personal archive of my favorite surfers who I thought deserved the spotlight. And these were women and indigenous women of color. So on International Women's Day uh, in 2020, I pitched an idea that would push the company to promote men and women equally on our social platforms. And since then, it's been a priority to work towards that every day. And you can actually see a difference throughout the surf industry and their social platforms. It's funny because through my research and digging, that's how I found Moana Jones Wong, Mm. one of the stars of the show, is I saw that she was getting absolutely barreled and surfing just as well as the guys. And 
nobody was really posting her at that time. Now she's probably the top posted lady, you know, in the industry. But I really felt like what made this project really unique is the fact that I was able to identify talent very, very early on in their careers. And I knew that these five were the women to profile back in 2019, you know? So that was a long time ago before this movement towards women's equity and surfing, you know, started happening. So it feels, I feel very proud to to be ahead of the curve in that way. And um, that, you know, my partners on the show took a chance and were brave and bold and went with, you know, a cast that maybe were lesser known names, but were equally as powerful as the top professional surfers in the industry. In no way would I say that I'm a surfing expert and I've never been on a surfboard in my life, but I've always been fascinated by the sport ever since I was a little kid. I don't know what it is. I grew up in New Hampshire, about as far as you can get from like professional surfing, uh, but I've always been fascinated by it. And there were a couple of names like Brianna Cope and Moana Jones Wong were two names that I was vaguely familiar with when coming to this show, but it was so awesome to be able to be introduced to other people and other names that now I'm excited to follow and learn more about as they're growing. Yeah. It's really, really sweet to have provided a platform for young women that I felt like didn't have the recognition that they deserved. Mm. And now we created that. And I hope that Surf Girls Hawaii doesn't only help their surfing careers, but it helps each of the women have opportunities outside of that. Now that the show is out and it's super popular and people are falling in love with them, uh, you know, we have conversations behind the scenes like, okay, what are we going to do with this? Because this doesn't last forever. There are a ton of TV shows. Like, how are we going to capitalize on this moment right now? And I think that really highlights the mentorship between us, the friendship between us. We really care about each other and want each other to succeed. And I feel like a lot of the conversations are around how we are going to elevate each other past this show. What company are you going to start? What do you want to promote? What message do you want to share with the world? Because the eyes are on you right now. And I want to help you foster that. And the same goes back to me. They ask me what shows I'm working on next, what I'm developing, what I'm interested in. Oh, we should make a surf film. Oh my gosh, can you come with me on this trip? Let's plan our lives together. And I think that that is really unique and wouldn't have happened if, you know, it wasn't me behind the camera. So it feels really great to um, have built this from, from something that, you know, we were lacking. We made something positive out of, you know, what we saw was missing in the industry. I'd like to to pat you on the back for a second, too, because I know that from your perspective, you feel like you're sharing their story and you're giving them a chance to be seen by the world. But that's exactly what you're doing. You're giving them an opportunity they may not have had from before either. So what they do moving forward does have a lot to do with the opportunity that you just gave them, putting them on this massive platform. And, you know, I don't know any of them personally, but I am sure those women all really appreciate what you've done for them. I really want them to win. Yeah. This whole, the whole intention behind the show was to show the world who they are. And I think we did that in such a positive light. And they're not just surfers. You know, I think Surf Girls Hawaii is a very cute 
and catchy name, right? Mm. But I think Surf Girls Hawaii is much deeper than that. And you find that through watching the series. You really do. And I think this series is just unique because it's showing a snippet of, of their lives that nobody had access to and showing this personal sacrifices like necessary to realize their surfing dreams. People, I think, oftentimes think to be a pro surfer, you grow up near waves and you grab a board and you go into the water and then you, you know, improve and, and become a pro. But these highlight the moments in between. Like, what does it actually take to become a professional surfer? And that requires, you know, the gaining and losing of sponsors. Mm -hmm. It requires, you know, sacrificing time with friends and family and your interpersonal relationships. And I think what makes these women, you know, even more powerful is the fact that they use their close-knit support system to get through all of those barriers. So yeah, it's not just highlighting, you know, who these women are as individuals, but who are these women as a collective? And what are the values and community that Hawaii holds that, you know, can set an example for the rest of the world? And you mentioned it a little bit earlier in the conversation too, but that was something that really, that really drew me in. And it was the kindness and the community that these women all had together. Yeah, they all want to win and they all want to be the best. But even in one of the moments where they were able to pick their own heats in the show, they wanted to compete against each other. Like, and to me, I would think, oh, I don't want to compete against my friend because what if I beat them? I'll feel, but they were, they were all in it. They were like, no, we're all here to be the best. We're all here. I want to go against the best. I want to perform. And I just, I just love that camaraderie camaraderie there. I feel like at every show and everything you see, it's always people fighting and trying to, you know, I don't know, get the best of somebody else. But these women were just trying to boost each other up to be the best they could be. Yeah. And in episode four, I mean, if I were competing at Pipeline, I'd want to compete with Moana <laughs> and I would just copy every one of her moves. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> she knows what she's doing out there. But, you know, in in that episode as well, I think it was super special to see Maluhia, one of our cast members, actually give up her spot yeah. for Brianna. And that is just the deepest form of sisterhood you can find. And it's not very common to see that. And that's exactly why this cast works so well, because they truly have you know, deep, deep love for each other. I shed a tear for that scene. I'm going to admit it. I definitely was like, I can't believe she's doing this. I mean, I get it from an injury standpoint. She's better off not doing it. But I was like, oh my gosh, that must be so heartbreaking for her. Even I shed a tear and I probably watched that episode over 50 times. <laughs> so I think it's, it's funny because, you know, when you're in post-production editing, you're watching content that you've shot and, you know, been, you know, in the thick of for, for many, many months. Yet Surf Girls Hawaii didn't really get old to me. Mm -hmm. I felt like there was always something new to pull out. There was always, you know, some sort of lesson it was teaching me. And uh, it felt it felt really interesting to to go through the process from the ideation of this project. Like I created the pitch deck and treatment, you know, to sell this. Then going on set, working with an amazing crew and experiencing, you know, this TV production 
all the way through post where, you know, I felt like my ideas and thoughts were, were weighted very highly. And I think that that is something special about the partners that were on this project. I think Hello Sunshine and their mission to promote women and female narratives is exactly what my mission is. And it worked out so well to be together behind the scenes. And um, I think that is also what what made this, you know, really, really unique is the fact that we all share our values. I love hearing that. Uh, Surf Girls Hawaii on Amazon Prime Video has been out now for a few weeks, the time that we're having this conversation. Uh, but I have to ask the question, Monica, because I feel like there's still so much story in these women. Is there a future here? Do we know what the next step is for these incredibly talented women? Well, each of the cast members has... Dra- dramatic pause. <laughs> well, I, I can't speak about a season two, if that's what you're getting at. So I will leave that to the universe and let you guys know when we know. But I will say, you know, individually, each of the Surf Girls cast members, they do have a very exciting year ahead of them. You know, I, I can go through a, a couple of them. One of our cast members, Maluhia, is actually studying to get her PhD yeah. at UH Manoa. So that is just the most incredible news. And she has this platform and is using it to educate and, you know, promote her mission in life, which is, you know, environmentalism and restoring, you know, our world. So that's really cool. Um, Pua DeSoto is actually attending Pepperdine University oh, and competing on the Challenger Series. So she's going to be balancing her professional surfing career, but also, you know, experiencing college and her freshman year. And she actually lives about 20 minutes from me in Los Angeles. So we see each other pretty often and it's really fun to, you know, be closer together. Um, Eve Wong is now traveling the world to, you know, really, really hone in on her surfing. And she's in Indonesia for the first time this year. And again, it's really reflective of my story because I didn't travel until I was about in my early 20s. And she gets to experience the world now, too. And I have tips for her when she goes to these places. And it's been really fun to see her, you know, uh, be able to have that opportunity. And um, yeah, Moana Jones Wong is uh, started her surf school for kids. So she helps young girls, uh, you know, in their surfing career. And that is everybody from, you know, a beginner surfer who's never been in the water to, you know, young girls who want to be on the tour one day. So she's really, you know, being a mentor to her community, which is really, really amazing. So, yeah, that's, you know, what four of our surfers are doing that I think really get to blossom because of the show. Well, I'm so glad you gave us the opportunity to see into their lives a bit, to introduce us to them and everything they're doing, because they really are incredible women. I love that you were able to get this show on a national streaming platform so we could all be able to experience. Again, the show is called Surf Girls Hawaii. It's on Amazon Prime Video right now if you want to check it out. Uh, Monica, I can't thank you enough for your time. It just is such a pleasure to speak with you. I'm such a fan of this show and and now your work as I've come to find out more about you. So uh, just it's been a real pleasure to have this time from you. Thank you so much. This was a great experience and I'm so happy to have, you know, been a part of it. 
Big thank you to Monica Medellin for her time. What a pleasure it was to have her on my show. Her program, Surf Girls Hawaii, is available now on Amazon Prime Video, and I highly recommend it. I know that you'll love this show. And thank you to all of you for listening to the Adult Education Podcast. Please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. And until next time, be well.